0: 75 days, Joe's turned the page and abandoned, we now learn from last weekend, hundreds of Americans, thousands of green card holders eligible to be in this country, and of course our Afghan allies and all their families. 88 days since he promised he wouldn't do it. Uh, Before we get to former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, to weigh in on this disaster that is the Civil War for the Democrats, I see that the New York Post just put out a headline that Andrew Cuomo is expected to be arrested next week on groping charges. Uh, Anyway, the post has learned the anticipated charge is a result of a probe by the Albany County District Attorney David Soares. Uh, A source briefed in the matter said today, a spokesperson for the Office of Court Administration confirmed that a misdemeanor complaint against Cuomo has been filed in Albany City Court this is a sex crime. A redacted complaint will be made available shortly. Uh, Cuomo's looming arrest is believed to be the reason that the attorney general, Letitia James, decided to tell a key union leader on Wednesday that she'll launch a campaign for governor shortly. And James, who released that bombshell sexual harassment report that forced Cuomo to resign, is expected to announce her primary challenge to the interim governor, Kathy Hochul, ahead of uh, next week's arrest. Now, one thing it is saying, too, is this is going to be, I guess, a misdemeanor complaint. Not sure, but they're saying it's a sex crime. Um, Pretty surprising because Democrats usually don't get arrested for anything. Republicans will get arrested and put in jail for 10 years for spitting on the sidewalk or jaywalking. Um, Anyway, so we've been going over all the details. Uh, Don't embarrass the president. Nancy Pelosi's admonition to the party she so loves and has dedicated her life to. I can see a scenario here where the squad has had enough and they feel slighted and they feel betrayed. And there's been all this courting of mansion and cinema. A lot of anger coming out of every squad member today as they one by one said, no, we're not supporting this. Anyway, Joe Biden said he needed this done before he went to Glasgow. Obviously that didn't happen. Former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich himself, uh, is with us. I I can't recall a time that this party's been this this divided and it's it's such a, a an Adam Schiff show right now that I, I don't see how they get out of this and reconcile this.
1: Well, you know, I think that they misread what they did with Obamacare, where they were able to force it through. Obama was much, much more popular than Biden and much better at dealing with members. Uh, and even then, you'll remember that Pelosi at one point said, you have to vote for the bill to find out what's in it. And I think they misread that and thought that they could just will themselves to victory. And they underestimated the degree to which both among people like Cinema uh, and Manchin on the one front and then the left wing remember the whole party's now left wing so you're now dealing with the left wing of the left wing uh are really angry and are really not willing to back down and i think what you have is a whole bunch of people now saying look i'd I'd rather sink the party than give up on my values and my beliefs and it ain't my problem uh and i think uh
0: but you it's see, let me let me ask the, you this question because yeah. you understand the base of the Democratic Party now. It's almost the entire party. I mean, I really have a hard time characterizing Cinema and Mansion as moderates because they're not. Um, yeah. I mean, but, they but are progressives. What?
1: Well, I would I would say that Cinema and Mansion are are liberals, and that the they're not natural big government socialists whereas virtually the entire party now is. Um, When you look at, uh, in the House, the the cross pressures are now enormous because everybody in the House is up for re-election. A lot of them come from districts where they're just going to get killed if they keep going down this road of left-wing thinking. Um, the, The very fact that in the last few days they've been circulating ideas for tax increases that verge on insane... Um, means if you're if you're a normal member and you're having to go home and, and explain to your friends and your neighbors, you know you're you're just thinking this is all crazy, and then you have Biden go on a CNN town hall meeting and do such a terrible job that people are cringing. So he he doesn't have you know he's not bringing to the presidency the kind of psychological weight that you normally expect, and I think him going up to the house you know, to talk to them is not particularly effective. And I think that uh, the the argument he's using, which is, I need this so I can go to Europe. By the way, going to Europe to a meeting which the Chinese are refusing to participate in. So the, the largest provider of carbon in the atmosphere, which is China, is saying to the whole worldwide green group, uh, we are we're, we're so not going to be you guys because we're about to build a whole bunch of new coal burning electric plants we're not even going to show up and i think that sort of further undermines biden's ability to say oh this is really important because if you have any common sense at all you know it's balani it's not important
0: so what's really going to go on here because i've always said that pelosi's speaker in name only and that the real speakers congresswoman alexandria ocasio-cortez now it was interesting yesterday I had some doubts about whether or not the squad would, would challenge this because they had been awfully quiet. And most of the courting by Schumer, Pelosi and Biden had been with Manchin and Cinema, And I know there have been meetings with the Progressive Caucus, but it seemed that the, the pressure point was really being brought to bear on those two and that they were getting all of the special treatment. And the progressives pretty much. I mean, this was supposed to be a three point five trillion mon- monstrosity. Manchin's still locked into only $1.5 trillion, and they still can't figure out how to pay for it. It looks like Medicare expansion, all these other lofty socialist redistribution, New Green Deal socialism plans are laid to, to waste here. I mean, is there a possibility that that Pelosi gets thrown out of the speaker over this, or what? No, I, I don't
1: think so. I mean, uh, remember, she, she can have a vast majority of the caucus vote with her and still lose. Uh, I mean, her problem is that they don't have a big enough margin to have any errors.
0: Yeah, but you know, by the way, I'll tell you what scares me is weak Republicans. They'll go along with the bipartisan infrastructure bill. You watch.
1: Yeah, I think there are at least 10 of them who would like to vote for it, although I am told that there is an agreement that none of them will vote for it until the Democrats produce 218 votes.
0: No, well, I, I, I'm not sure. Look, I know how these games are played in Washington. And, you know, whipping votes is a profession, actually. And you have a person that does it. But the right. reality is uh, there's there's no it was no reason for McConnell to cave on the debt ceiling. There's no reason for Rep- Republicans to bail out the Democrats when they're collapsing. That's just bad, dumb politics.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. And I think what the Republicans ought to do is move an extension of the highway bill.
0: As a freestanding, simple,
1: because the, on, the only real pressure point in the real world is that after uh, September 30th or, or October 30th, um, the Highway Trust Fund was, is no longer able to spend any money.
0: And so what, we're talking about real infrastructure, not this phony human infrastructure, right. roads, so br- bridges to do, and they tunnels.
1: To they ought to introduce a 90 or 120 day extension of the highway program and say, look, we'll vote for that. That would also take the pressure off a lot of the Republicans who are worried about infrastructure. Because, of course, a large part of the Democrats' so-called infrastructure bill isn't infrastructure. It's just pork.
0: No, that's a good point. Um, By the way, I was thinking about this when you were on the program the other night. I'm thinking, you know, I've known you for 31 years. I met you in 1990. Yep. And that was the first time I interviewed you you 31 years ago. You were a mere child at the time. <laughs> so were you. Your hair was actually a little darker too, just like mine was. Oh man!
1: It's been a, it's been a long run, and there've been a lot of things happening. Well, I think, and I think so, I think we're only partway there. We're going to have a long run ahead of us. I think.
0: Uh, listen, stay healthy. That's. Yeah, I work out like a maniac now, and I'm a- even eating like vegetables for the first time in my life. And I don't love them, uh, but I'm eating them anyway. <laughs> Uh, I I really am. That's I'm not even joking. That's All good. right, let me let me no, go back good. to this. So right. the Republican Party now is, I think, at a tipping point. And this is you you coming out with this book soon called Beyond Biden. We're going to need a right. Plan B, a Beyond Biden. One of the ideas that I've heard you floating, on I don't know if it's in the book because I haven't got my early copy yet. But hopefully, you'll send me the the manuscript.
1: No, you should have it.
0: Okay, so the the most important question is, you have been talking about a new contract with America. Yep. Now, I have my ideas, but I want yours first.
1: Well, I, look, I just think it, I'm just offering generalizations right now. I think part of it is we ought to go back to uh, being for a balanced budget. Uh, we ought to be for, for replacing virtually all the dependency programs with work and getting people back in the habit of going to work. Uh, I think that we... Uh, should uh, really dramatically shift power back to you, the consumer, when you're a patient, so you know what something's going to cost and what your choices are. Uh, so there are a number of steps like that I would take. But but I I'm I'm going to I think this is something people ought to talk about. We didn't you know we didn't just jump up one morning and have a contract with America. We worked for months listen to all of our members
0: and I, I, I need heard, to correct I the record you actually you actually worked for years because you did a whole series on renewing American civilization that that was over a period of years
1: well that's that's true I mean, if you would go back to that part of it but even the contract itself we worked on for a long stretch and I would what I will am going to do is is starting in January I'm going to urge the Republicans go back home and ask your citizens what they think ought to be in a contract and let's have a grassroots up contract, not a Washington down contract. And let's see what the American people say. Uh,
0: Liberty, think- freedom, capitalism, or constitution. Low taxes, right. limited government, less bureaucracy, school choice, law and order, so people can be safe I and secure. Right. Constitutionalists right. on the bench. Free market solutions for health care protect pre existing conditions. Uh, then it then it gets even simpler. Then it's secure your borders. Uh, that's easy to do. We know how to do it. Uh, that would include energy independence. That would include peace through strength and free and fair trade. What am I missing?
1: I don't know. That's why I think we ought to go to the American people. I mean, I, I think <laughs> they're going to tell
0: me where about, I'm wrong. I, I got it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, or, it
1: or gonna tell, or no, or they're going to tell you what you've missed.
0: That's there true. It may not
1: be a question about being wrong. It may be just, you know. Um, you have 335 million people out there who have ideas, who, who feel like Washington never listens to them, and who are kind of sick of uh, the politicians and the news media lecturing them. And I think if, if the Republicans had the, had the nerve, uh, both the incumbents and the candidates, to go out and spend about 60 days actually having town hall meetings and just listen to don't, don't, them, don't render judgment, just take notes. Let them tell you for a change what they want. And let's see how what bubbles up,
0: you know the one thing Donald Trump did not get enough credit for, and we now see the the necessity of energy independence reminds me of your yep. your plan years ago. You launched it on this program. Drill That's here, right. drill now save save money, pay less,
1: yep, pay less
0: we had
1: uh, we had about a million six hundred thousand people sign a petition online. We wrote a book called Gasoline at Two Fifty a Gallon. Obama attacked me and said it's impossible, that you, you, this is just a fraud. And, of course, gasoline dropped because once you start encouraging energy production, this country is the richest country in the world in energy.
0: I want to let people just- know, uh, and, and that's important, but I want to tell people your book is out next Tuesday. If you want a first edition copy, you can go to Amazon.com. We'll put a link up on Hannity.com. It's called Beyond Biden, and the time is really... It couldn't be any more crucial, um, because we need to start thinking beyond Biden. Uh, Mr. Speaker, thank you, as always. Always 800-941-SHAWN is our number. All right, we got time for a quick call here. Uh, Tommy's in Oklahoma. Hey, Tommy, how are you? Glad you called.
2: Oh, oh, I'm doing great. Uh, I just wanted to call and uh, talk about... Vax mandates. The uh, uh, I'm an I'm an over the road truck driver. I'm actually in San Diego right now. By but,
0: the way, thank you for what you do. Uh, we have we have we have only empty store shelves without you guys. Thank you.
2: Yeah, you're welcome, and I, it's it's actually my my pleasure to do what I do. Um, I work for a major carrier, and when they were talking about the vax mandates for employers of over a hundred. Uh, I contacted my carrier and said, are you going to require VAX mandates? And they said, no way. Um, There is a perpetual shortage of drivers, and any reason to fire a bunch of drivers, uh, I, I don't see them doing that. And I've talked to other drivers from different carriers, and nobody seems to be pushing a max, uh, a vax mandate on any of the drivers.
0: Well, let me, let me weigh in on this only because we're coming up on a hard break. I want to be able to respond to you because you're making a great point. Every trucker I know, and I have friends in the trucking business, and the, the, the things that entice great drivers like yourself are uh, they don't want a vax mandate, they've made up their mind. Um, It's not a debate about vax, don't vax. They've made up their mind, just like firemen, policemen, teachers, military uh, and nurses, et cetera. They've all made up their minds and they want the option usually of either a W-2 or a 1099. If you give people those two things, your ability to hire good drivers like yourself goes up a lot. We have 10 seconds.
2: Right. Okay, well, I just wanted to say I appreciate your show. I listen to you every day, and I just uh, ha- hadn't heard anybody say anything about
0: back-man. Well, you, got, you got it out in time, and thanks for what you do. Drive safe, my friend.
2: to check in as soon as you get to your car after work for breaking information you need to
0: know about this is the sean hannity show all right 25 now until the top of the hour five days away from this gubernatorial well two gubernatorial elections were following one in new jersey i mean it's even tighter in new jersey than i thought it would get we'll have to wait and see what happens maybe project veritas and their video of of governor murphy and his planned vaccine mandate uh that he's saved until after the election it'll have an impact in the final moments i could tell you the vaccine mandate going to new york city as i mentioned earlier in the program today it is going to be an unmitigated disaster 37 percent of cops and 35 percent of firemen uh are not going along with the mandate what are they going to do they're going to fire them well, what happens when there's there's a fire anywhere in the New York City area? What's going to happen when lawlessness breaks out, which it will? Are they going to say, oh, you can come back tonight for, for riot control? Although I guess you're not allowed to call a riot a riot anymore. But that's a different issue for a different day. Um, anyway, so we, we're watching this all very closely. And there's a lot to, to break down here. But a big part of where people's minds are, especially when it comes to McAuliffe, is you, you've got him trying to bring in everybody because he can't carry the state himself. And then everybody he's bringing in is messing up. The latest one was Joe Biden himself mumbling, bumbling, stumbling, you know, couldn't even get 2,000 people to show up. You know, look at a Trump rally you have 40,000 people in the overflow area. It's unbelievable. Uh, you know, it was, Terry McAuliffe was at an event yesterday. It was like more reporters than there were people actually showing up. And then they bring in Barack Obama, and then he's just saying, Oh, this, this idea, this, this social issue of, of parents having a say in their kids' education, that's the total BS. Dismissing parents. No, parents want a role in their kids' education. I mean, probably the dumbest thing McAuliffe has done to date. Um, and then they try to, you know, say Donald Trump's on the, Donald Trump's not on the ballot. He hasn't even campaigned. He's not involved in this race. Uh, But if you look at it, then McAuliffe gets caught spending nearly 100 grand advertising fake news websites on Facebook during the gubernatorial campaign. People are paying attention to his his remarks about kids and school and and teaching, et cetera. And stupidly, McAuliffe has doubled down, telling Virginia parents that their concerns are aren't just a divisive are just a divisive Yunkin campaign tactic. No, and a lot of people are, are pretty angry about this because Virginia parents, speaking to Fox News, condemn the recent comments by Terry McAuliffe and by Barack Obama as insulting and dismissive. They're pissed off. It's not a divisive tactic when it comes to their kids. And then McAuliffe continuing to smear parents and saying that, well, if you're against CRT, that's a racist dog whistle. Okay, how's that going to go over five days from now? And, uh, you know, Virginia is promoting a book telling teachers to embrace CRT, uh, which McAuliffe says isn't being taught. He's just lying. Kamala Harris didn't have a good appearance there either. You know, now the disregard for the Hatch Act has become real. Running these videotapes in churches, which is against IRS regulations, which would mean for you and me, we'd end up probably in jail. Um, you've got the president's approval rating in the mid 30s now. But there's nothing going right in on any level of this campaign. McAuliffe, the one Fox News story is that literally there were more people that showed up from the press than, than to see Terry McAuliffe. And there's not big crowds even going out for the biggest names in the Democratic Party. One Virginia parent says our concerns aren't divisive. It's not a campaign tactic. These are our kids. And you have uh, the mainstream media now going all in to see if they can help McAuliffe. Anyway, uh, it's always going to be a hard state to win. Um, The other issue that has taken the state by storm is this whole issue in Loudoun County. We have the school superintendent denying any knowledge of this rape that apparently took place in a school bathroom that was confirmed as a full-on investigation by law enforcement. And the guy clearly, if he didn't know, he should have known. But apparently everybody else knew about it. And then they transferred. It was apparently transgender male in a girl's bathroom. The accusation is rape. It is still being investigated. And then they transfer the kid to another school and there's another alleged assault at that school. Then the superintendent, you know, denies it. Luke Rosiak
3: commented on this recently investigative reporter. Terry McAuliffe, when he's making these statements about, you know, supporting teachers and, you know, parents shouldn't be telling schools what to, what to teach, he worked until he ran for governor for a law firm called Hunton Andrews Kurth. Now, Hunton Andrews Kurth is a, has been involved in being a lawyer for school districts for a long time. Ever since its predecessor firm was on the wrong side of Brown versus Board, there, so there's two cases that I think are worth highlighting around sexual assault or uh, in Fairfax County public schools. The first is a horrific alleged gang rape in the school. Uh, this is a 12 year old in a middle school. She was beaten, uh, held at knife point. She was burned. She came to the school system with these allegations, and and they did nothing. And over time, the conduct got worse to the point where you know it allegedly reached what I just described. And eventually, you know, apparently there was like a rape kit done and they did find evidence of sexual trauma to her. Now it's like 10 years later, the woman has reached adulthood. She's now no longer a 12 year old. She's an adult who's filed lawsuit. And Terry McAuliffe's firm is really aggressively trying to throw it out of court Hmm. because she filed using a pseudonym. She filed Hmm. as Jane Doe because for obvious reasons. And so they're arguing, you know, basically the rape victim should have been named. We've got to out this woman or... She's gotta throw out her case. And obviously they do it in a legal, a procedural way, but that's the gist of it. It involves her anonymity. The second one is called Jane Doe versus Fairfax County. And that's a case where what actually allegedly happened to the girl is not that serious, but there, Hunton is making legal arguments that would have profound implications on, um, how Title IX is adjudicated. Sarah Carter
0: has been on the ground in the Commonwealth for Virginia as our investigative reporter with both camps, McAuliffe and Youngkin. And uh, you've been seeing an awful lot out there. What is your what is the feel on the ground right now?
4: Well, I've never seen the Republican Party so energized in the state of Virginia, Sean. You know, I live there for for many, many years. I, I just recently moved to Texas, was back in Virginia. And I can tell you this: parents are outraged at McAuliffe. I talked to independents. I talked to Democrats as well. Um, and the Republicans are just coming right out and they're saying, if we don't stand up for our kids right now, who else is going to stand up for them? What was really interesting to me is that the people that supported McCulloch, those people that have come out and said, you know, is it Democrats? They've kind of gaslighted this whole issue with what's happening in Loudoun County. And mind you, Loudoun County is mostly Democrat. So it's incredible the lack of support that McAuliffe has in Loudoun County. I mean, I drove through there just the other day. There were just Youngkin signs everywhere, Glenn Youngkin, Glenn Youngkin everywhere. And even in Arlington, where the president went to stump for um, McCullough at the rally where I was on the show with you, um, it was incredible to see how many Youngkin signs were out on people's lawns, just because that area, I know for a fact, it was an area where I lived, is mostly 75 percent Democrats. And um, so, when you look at what's happened in Virginia, you got to say to yourself, there is something happening here that isn't just about Virginia, it's about the entire country. And people are Set up, they're angry. And uh, I mean, you could see what's happened in Loudoun County with the school board. And, and the, I, the, this idea that they could call parents at that time domestic terrorists. And this idea that the Democrats feel that they can expand their powers even with all these mandates and everything else that you've been talking about. It's not just about Virginia. What's happening in Virginia and that support for Glenn Youngkin is something that I think we're going to see across the entire country.
0: Well, it's going to be interesting to watch it. Quick break. More with investigative reporter Sarah Carter on the ground in the Commonwealth of Virginia. All right, we continue now with investigative reporter in the Commonwealth of Virginia covering this governor's race. Uh, Sarah Carter is with us. Youngkin's been running a pretty steady campaign, and that is that he's getting big crowds. He's got a lot of enthusiasm. What do early voting numbers show in the Commonwealth of Virginia, Sarah?
4: Well, right now they're neck and neck. I know that the last Suffolk County poll shows them in a dead heat.
0: So, Which, by the way, whipping. a dead heat in early voting for Republicans in Virginia is a win, right?
4: It's a, it's a, it's a huge win. I mean, it's a huge win. Nobody expected this at all. Um, And I think that, you know, when I talked to a lot of the parents and uh, like I said, I've talked to independents, people that in the past had supported Terry McAuliffe said they would never do so right now. I talked to one woman the other night and she said to me, it was just really fascinating. She said, you know what? This is the first time that I feel an energy in our state that goes far beyond just politics this is about people taking their independence back people taking the state back people telling the government hey wait a minute stop we're the ones in charge you're not in charge here you're working for us and and that's That's the feeling I got across the board, all the way from Blacksburg, Virginia, which is up in the Shenandoah Valley, beautiful country, great people, where so many people came out to support Glenn Youngkin. I can't even begin to tell you how many law enforcement officials, and and people wanted to speak up. They wanted to go on camera. They wanted to talk, which I thought was really interesting, because usually you'd kind of get this feeling that people were a little bit shy of talking politics. Now people are willing to stand up and, and speak out, and I think a lot of it, Sean, had to do with... With what were happening to the
0: students. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think a lot of it, every parent has a right to be. And then you have the moment, though, where the superintendent, I mean, is there any doubt in anybody's mind that he knew this really happened and just denied it?
4: Right. Yeah, I think for everyone who I have spoken to, with regard to this, absolutely believed that the superintendent knew about what happened in that um, Stonebridge High uh, where there was the allegation right now that uh, that this young woman was sexually assaulted inside the bathroom. Uh, her father, uh, you know, who's come out publicly, Scott Smith, he was seeking a written apology. He got that in a pseudo-apology from the school board after he, along with a bunch of others, were called, you know, to Domestic terrorists. remember all of that went to um, the Attorney General and the Attorney General Merrick Garland just based off of what the school board said and uh, another little report that was filed went ahead and issued a memo on domestic terrorism and he's like well wait a minute I just wanted to speak about what happened to my daughter and then that this person was transferred to another school. I talked to a lot of parents about this in in Blacksburg the other night, and they were telling me that, you know, they... Absolutely opposed, oppose the fact that a, a, a man or a young man, even if they're transgender, could come into a girl's bathroom, and they were they were saying it's like they're not being heard. They're not being heard by their school board. Uh, the school board isn't listening to them about the curriculum. Uh, and this was really interesting, Sean. One of the things that they were really concerned about was the fact that. As they speak to their school board or when they talk to their teachers, they're concerned about the fact that they will be pegged a domestic terrorist. That's pretty frightening to think about, that American... But I I, I think this is
0: all converging, though. I mean, look look at what happened to Merrick Garland yesterday. He got hammered. Look at Obama saying that this is, oh, this is just a... a a social issue and a wedge issue that Republicans are using. No, it's not. Or Terry McAuliffe's initial comments, which are that, you know, parents shouldn't have a say in their kids' education. This is fundamental to who they are and what they believe. And they really don't want parental involvement. They really do think, you know, I would think that that it would be just the opposite. I mean, when I went to school, my mom worked full-time as a prison guard, so she was never the the. The class parent. So, But the, the reality is those parents were extraordinarily helpful. If kids were getting behind, they'd help with kids. If there was an event, they'd help with the event. If it was a, a field trip day, they'd go on the field trips with the kids, and, and you'd have extra hands on deck. Uh, now, right. all of a sudden, parents can't complain about CRT, and they can't complain about COVID measures and they can't talk about age appropriate material being taught their kids. And somehow, you know, if they speak out about it, they're going to be labeled a domestic terrorist.
4: It's a pretty frightening situation. And you hear it, Sean. I mean, what you're saying is 100% on the money. This is what parents are truly afraid of. I think a lot of it came to the realization, a lot of parents during COVID, when they actually were able to spend time with their children at home and see what they were being taught, uh, that was an eye-opener. Um, some parents told me, you know, it was a blessing that Terry McAuliffe made those statements that he did during, you know, the debate, that he showed his true colors, and now parents finally see the truth for what it is. I'm a parent. You're a parent, Sean. We want to be the guiding light for our children. We want to be uh, the most important teacher in their lives. And that is what these parents are saying. They're saying, look we pay tax dollars. We are a part of this school district. We are a part of this country and we have a right to our children's education to know what you're teaching them. And I think what they're afraid of is that the teachers that are really teaching and the board is trying to divide them from their children, trying to take their children's education in a direction that they are not comfortable with and one that goes against their principles and their morals.
0: You've been doing great coverage, uh, investigative reporter Sarah Carter. She's been on the ground for Hannity, the TV show. Uh, she'll update us tonight as we're now five days out of this race. And it's going to be very, very interesting to watch. If Republicans can pull off the governor's race in a state like a commonwealth like Virginia or a state like New Jersey, it will be a political earthquake, the likes of which I don't think we've seen in a long time. Uh, Sarah, thank you. Look forward to the, an update tonight. Quick break. Right back.